Good morning, listeners from around the world. This is on the menu radio, as always, on your Sunday morning. We hope you'll enjoy today's program. And who are we starting out with, sweetheart? And then Anne says, Peter, it's your turn to do it today. So we're starting off with Ollie Davis back back in good old London town where somehow or other fine chef that he was, he always managed to hide from us and we never were able to go to his restaurant. But now he has a new restaurant and not only that, a new cookbook called Essentials. So here's Ollie. We're, we're going to be talking to Ollie Davis from London about his new cookbook, Essential. And um, I think the reason that I, I love you, Ollie, at your cookbook so much is that you're straightforward, your recipes are balanced, and you sneak tips in without trying to, like, preach at us. I, I just think it's a wonderful book. So, oh, really kind of you. Thank you. Oh, this is terrific. You know how many cookbooks we get? A lot. But this one is really special. Oh, um, so it's kind of you think I don't actually look at many cookbooks myself, so I didn't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing going into, going into this. But um, I was going to say, no, it's, it's really happy to hear those, those points. I don't want to preach, but I effectively want to, hold people's hands as they do the recipes and hopefully build their confidence. Yeah. Well, but you say that simple food, straightforward food, is the best. And you do have limited ingredients, but they're not like this off-the-shelf stuff. You, you, You want few but absolute quality ingredients, right? Yeah, so you're only as good as the, the ingredients that you use. So I mean, keep it simple and do it well would be my sort of fundamental rule for, for home cooking. Well, you're, you're sort of right on with that trend as well as a lot of other trends is that, um, I mean, this is definitely written for the home cook, and that's yep. what a lot of people are now becoming home cooks. You yep. you balance all your your um, recipes around uh, things that are now accepted much more than prior such as grains and eggs Mm -hmm. we've we've encountered egg chapters in many cookbooks of late some somebody's finally realizing how splendid eggs are (laughs) yeah yeah we just we just got a case and a half of of duck eggs oh yes duck eggs grown in pennsylvania amazing amazing yeah i know that yeah, no, they, I mean, a good egg is a, is a real treat when you crack it open, that bright yellow yolk, the tight oh, white yeah. around it. Um, yeah, I was, I was speaking to someone about an omelette the other day. I mean, there's a reason why there are so many classic uh, egg dishes. Um, so, yeah, no, they, they merit a, a chapter in its own right. And when, with um, yeah, with the the recipe for scrambled eggs again that isn't just meant to be didactic it's it's intended to uh explain why i personally like them a certain way or cook them a certain way so a lot of people they'll make things out of habit or maybe because their their parents taught them that way but without ever questioning things or uh so hopefully little tips can 
can help and change people's uh, end result and enjoyment of those dishes. Yeah, I mean, some people would look at this and say, hello, so what is it about scrambled eggs on toast? It's so ordinary. (laughs) (laughs) But give us some of the tips that you, you people don't actually pay attention to when they're just cooking from habit. What are some of these yeah. tips that you suggest? Yeah, no, so, I mean, a lot of it, um, so for example, with the, um, you know, with the, with the eggs, I personally like to use a spatula rather than a whisk. It breaks yes. up the eggs a little bit less. So you I love that. That was so, more, I never even thought of yeah, it. Yeah, like a more pasta-like quality because you get ribbons rather than kind of shrapnel, for want of a better word. And, you know, that makes it more indulgent. Um, adding the cream at the end to stop the cooking so it doesn't keep cooking that's a a good tip and also the the thickness of the toast that it goes on if it's on a thin piece of of bread it's very different uh uh like a thick piece of pillowy brioche and you Mm -hmm. know which again adds another layer of of richness but also kind of lightness because it's aerated and uh yeah i was gonna say even I guess other tips would be in the book. A lot of it is quite fundamental how to season things, how to cook things properly. So if you have a thin piece of fish, you want to season it very delicately because there's a lot of surface area and maybe not much depth to it. And uh, whereas if you're seasoning a steak that's you know as thick as your thumb, you're going to need a lot more salt and it's a lot more robust. So it can take a lot more seasoning. Um, similarly, cooking meat and fish, bringing it to room temperature. So, for example, if if you're cooking a piece of beef fillet to, to uh, medium rare, uh, I'm afraid I'm not very good at, at Celsius, sorry, at, at Fahrenheit in the States, but for, for, for European uh, in Celsius, the, the fridge is about three degrees, room temperature is about 20, and for medium rare you're looking at around 55 degrees so from taking it just bringing it out of the fridge to room temperature that equates to a third of the cooking about 17 degrees you've lifted the temperature just by taking it out of the fridge and leaving it at room temperature for an hour so um little, little things like that that some people know and some people they are obvious but for other people they're they're not um so yeah, you can never overestimate as a you know, as a professional that's been doing it for a long, long time. You know what what's obvious and and what isn't because maybe the, as a professional chef, you've got all these gems in your back pocket that that uh, are obvious if you know. Well, now you know um, I'm looking at these pictures and, and I I want to make sure I don't forget to mention the photography in this book. I'm looking. Mm. At this uh, croque monsieur. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. If anybody had ever told me I'd be lusting after a grilled cheese sandwich, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I was going to say but you're it very. Was, um, sorry, go on, Peter. But you're very fond of cheese. As well. Yeah, as well, melted cheese is always very photogenic, but I, I love eating it um, I, as I well. But with the mentioned something and get a reaction from you as to whether or not you thought this was overkill. We were at uh, Pied de Terre with uh, the Australian be- behind the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you know they had a the cheese had its own refrigerator. <laughs> okay, yeah, I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. Sh- yeah. Shane, no. Shane Osborne was, was not not a little bit neurotic, I guess. No, I was going to say it's uh, we we have it. I mean, the the smell spread so much for the, from the cheese trolley. So yes. No, it is. I think that that is a, a good decision. And we actually on our cheese trolley we have little glass domes, so um, to kind of keep them in check, so to speak. So right, right. it might be that when, when one table is having its cheese course, another table is having a, a very light fish starter or vegetable dish. That um, So we sort of have it that when the trolley is wheeled through the restaurant, it's not kind of emitting uh, the sort of cheese smell as it, as it goes. But moving back to the Croque Monsieur, it, that was a really kind of unloved, dish that was well overdue uh, uh i guess a return into the to the spotlight so we don't really do anything out of the ordinary with it it's just uh cutting the bread is not too thick um so we have no, no thicker than one centimeter toasting it lightly going cheese then ham then cheese so you've got the, the cheese layer on on both sides and a bit of love in the bechamel, good amount of mustard in there, good amount of Gruyere, and then mace and nutmeg. So often a grilled cheese sandwich or croque monsieur might be done slapdash very quickly, but if it's done well and there's layers of attention to detail and, and care for it, then the end result is is memorable. And it's it's one of our best sellers on, on the breakfast menu at Hyde. We've got a very large breakfast menu, but probably... 25% of all orders uh, are for crop this year. Oh, yeah. Now, what, 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 what do you, where do you come down on the good old English breakfast? Yeah, so we, we do a full English as well. Um, oh, you do? Okay. We, yeah, so we do, we, do, we do, so we do homemade black pudding. Um, hey, which is there we go. Amazing. Well, they have that uh, at Le Manoir, too. I remember that yeah, specifically. Yeah. I was in love with that. Yeah, when you have homemade stuff, it's so, so good. Then the the roast tomatoes, we roast them quite long and slow to concentrate them. Uh, We do a grilled portobello mushroom with a garlic and parsley butter on top. So we serve it uh, with the gills facing up so all the butter soaks in. Um, Crispy bacon, uh, so from the belly, smoked. Uh, our sausages are made from middle white pork from our suckling pig supplier. Oh, and wow. then, yeah, cho- choice of eggs from the Cotswolds. Uh, so it's a, it's a cackle bean egg, but obviously poached, scrambled, or, or fried. So we, we don't do anything different, but, um, yeah, just have everything as, that's on the plate as a sort of best in class, I guess. Because you don't want to mess around with, with a full English. Um, and also... It's uh, for breakfast. People are less adventurous. I know. I know. I am. I mean, maybe weekend brunch. I'll order something quirky. But in general, for the first meal of the day, you don't really want anything avant-garde. You don't want to be challenged. You want to be comforted. Um, now, one so, of the, yeah. One of the one of the times we were at Le Manoir, uh, Raymond was redoing the breakfast menu altogether. He did okay. redo it. Yeah. Oh, did we lose well, him? He, 
Yeah, no, I was going to say, it was, I remember I cooked quite a few breakfast services there, and it was, uh, but they, the great thing with, with Raymond Blanc, he, he always keeps evolving, refining, and often simplifying the, uh, the process. Um, obviously, they've got an amazing garden. But the thing I, oh, I love about that garden, I mean, yeah. that garden, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of restaurant gardens. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, he has that whole mushroom section. Does he still have that? Yeah, no, he's still got that. They've got an orchard. Um, I was gonna say, it's, it's one of the things that when you leave to go back to London, I love London, but a big part of you does not want to leave Le Manoir. The garden, yeah. the food, the rooms. It's like you know you're going to be back to reality with a bump. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's, a lo- it's, it's, it's a long way down when you've gone for the weekend there. I know, I know. So, um, now, and you are, you refine um, ingredients, um, but you're, you're very common sense practical about your recipes, which is something else that I admired. Um, oh, good, good. Yeah, I mean, but you are refined. I mean, the, the little teeny things that, I, that I've overlooked in cooking that I realize now okay. are important. Okay, it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite OCD in in the kitchen, which <laughs> I think is, is a good quality for a chef. You need you need to be creative, but a healthy dose of OCD is a good good thing in the kitchen. But um, I was going to say, yeah, there, there might be some some little things that again. I'm, uh, for me, a, a common practice, but but they're not if you're if you're not exposed to to kitchens. Anything that helps the reader um, or makes their life simpler is uh, I think can only be a good thing. I've got two young kids now, and I work, I'm still working long hours at uh-huh. hides on my days off. I don't want huge marathons in my own kitchen at home. I don't want endless shopping lists. I don't want huge amount of washing up at the end of the day so you know home cooking needs to be maximum reward to minimum effort and uh that was always a guiding principle when doing the recipes in this book i mean some need a little bit more work but at the end of the day it was always you needed to be truthful with yourself and say like is that is it worth it is it um yeah if I did that at home, am I going to be cursing, cursing the cookbook at the end of it? And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm re- yeah, really happy with with the end result. Um, well, you, you, say, you, say, you say that, that actually something that people I've had bad experience myself with that till I learned is they should read the recipe all the way through, which is a given. But also, yeah. they should trust your quantities when when you're um, mm. telling, especially in things that involve salt or quantity of water or anything like that. They need to really follow what you pre- presented as a recipe, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've done the hard work, so uh, hopefully they they don't need to. And I always think it's a little bit a little bit amusing when you get when you get someone think, oh no, that, that can't be right or that, that looks wrong. It's like, yeah, I've been, yeah. been doing this uh, for 20 odd years now. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing. Um, I mean, that said, there are, when anyone reads the recipe, there are always 
you know, perspective is everything. So you could have two, two chefs come out with slightly different results. Uh, even like teaspoons could be slightly different sizes or uh, a vegetable if it says half of fennel, maybe one fennel is bigger, one fennel smaller, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's also it's, it's home cooking. It's not it's not restaurant cooking. So there's I think there's yeah, if it, there's a little bit of bandwidth here or there. But I always think trust you know trust the person who's who's written the recipe because a lot of work. You do, you, you impart this um, a sense of security in what you're saying is the truth. I mean, you get that across. Yeah, her, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I trust you. Yeah, I trust it all. And it's, um, I tried to, uh, aside from the, the trust element or whether it's my credibility or credentials, as a chef, it's also written by someone who, who loves food, you know, and I want to share some great dishes with, with people in the same way that if you see a movie or hear an album that you love, you want, you want to tell people about it and you want them to enjoy it the same way that you did. So it's not just, I'm not just approaching this from a, how can I help the home cook as a professional chef? I, I'm, I see it as on a level as from one home cook to another these are great. They're not going to take you all the time in the world and you're going to have a, yeah, like a, a great end result for not too much work. I mean, a, a great home recipe is one where you, you almost feel like you've cheated the system a little bit because you've got something amazing without, without breaking your back. <laughs> now, a couple, of, a couple of places that we really, really loved in London, I'm interested in your opinion on them. One mm. is Claude, Claude Bossy at Hibiscus. Yeah, yeah. Well, he worked there. <laughs> uh, I did, yeah. So Claude, Claude, I snuck, that, snuck that one in there. We actually yeah. drove all. The, we, we drove all all the way to the original. Yeah, like in Ludlow. Yeah, in Ludlow. Not, uh, yeah, that's when oh, I was Ludlow. looking there. So. It, was a lo- it was a long ride, but it was well worth it. It was. Yeah, yeah so I, I worked there thing. in 2005, I think, for Claude, and yeah, he's done brilliantly well. Uh, so it's great seeing go from the countryside to London and and do so well here. So he's now at the Michelin Building, uh, Bibendum. Right, right. And it's amazing that he's at that building in South Kensington. Um, yeah, he's, yeah. I was gonna say, I think he's gone from uh, strength to strength. I think he's, he's likes what he does and he's got a solid team. So uh, I, I don't. I mean, I haven't seen too much of him in the last couple of years, but it's always nice to. Always nice to bump into him. We've got a similar sense of humour, so it's nice to see him when he's no longer my boss. If that makes sense. Right. Your relationship <laughs> no, changes what, a little what, bit. What about Simon Rogan? Oh yeah. So yeah, see, see Simon a little bit as well. So I had had a brilliant meal at Long Clune in Lake District. It's uh, beautiful yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah, it's about four or five years ago it was. So I think the sense of journey and occasion, you know, going there really adds to it. So. Um, yeah, as I say, I've, I've, I've often bump into Simon's. But we always cook cook at Ascot, um, and maybe uh, I don't know, we 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 sometimes crop up at the same uh, event or demo. And no, I really like the guy. We've got again similar sense of humour. I think when you, it's a bit gallows humour, maybe a chef's humour because <laughs> you're always a bit tired, you're always a bit understaffed, uh, and it's just nice sharing the same problems with people and just having a laugh about it um and yeah yeah obviously 
as I said, hats off to Claude, hats off to Simon. He's built an amazing empire, not just in, in the UK, but I think uh, he's got a couple of places in Asia now. So lovely guy really? deserves every, every success. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now let's talk a little bit um, about your vegetable chapter. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you were right with the times that uh, and you, you mentioned that how um, people are eating more vegetables, not out of a sense of uh, duty, um, but because mm. they really want to, huh? Yeah. I was going to say, um, whenever people ask me, oh, what's going to be the next trend for you know, in cooking yeah. for next year or year after, I say it's just like people are going to keep eating healthier. So it's just, it's not, you know, what were once kind of, hippie socks and sandals left field ingredients are now utterly mainstream and in coffee shops in sandwich shops you know quinoa or quinoa you know seaweeds you know all the all these things that were once considered very quirky um are not only eaten by everyone but also the sectors of society where you maybe wouldn't imagine. So, you know, men are probably now a bit more, maybe a bit more vain, a bit more health conscious. Um, so, you know, there'll be, I think you know, it's not just people on certain diets that that are eating it. It's, uh, um, you know, anyone and everyone, as well, obviously the young, uh, younger generations as well, is very normal for them in a way that it maybe wasn't, you know, for me growing up right. seeing these, these things. So, um, I was going to say the whole plant based is just getting you know, bigger and bigger. Um, but I think, I think that I, I get, get upset about, but saddens me to say is the, the substitutes when it says like, uh, I don't know, like some sort of, vegan bacon or something like that or oh, vegan right. mayonnaise just think, yeah. just call it something different or don't try and recreate um, you know I can't imagine in the Mediterranean with an abundance of amazing fruit and vegetables anyone's trying to you know 3D print bacon out of vegetable matter that <laughs> smokes you know, it's, you know they're just grilling aubergines and having tomato salads and it feels sad that maybe in the cities there's this sort of desire to eat vegan, but kind of have it. I wouldn't say like dirty or dude food, but there's there's sort of a little. You know, vegan food sometimes feels less natural than it should, um, and there's a lot of processing that goes on to make well, it. That's the part almost, that worries me the most. Is you know, yeah, like, we, like we, not, we've not tasted the like impossible vegetables. meat, and actually, they they up amp up the seasonings of of that mm. so that it, it rivals the real thing. But yeah, what are all the yeah. the processes and what are all the chemicals involved in it? But the yeah, funniest I mean, one, the funniest one, Ollie, is the the impossible meat people have made now an impossible pork. Okay. <laughs> and, and and it's gotten um, sanctioned. I mean, not sanctioned. It's gotten um, what do you call it? Uh, blessed, I guess, yeah. by being designated kosher. <laughs> oh God! Oh wow! Impossible yeah. pork and impossible yeah. sausage. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, well, it's it's sort of. I was going to say. I mean, 
in some ways I shouldn't criticise because I haven't eaten the stuff, but it just feels uh, <laughs> intrinsically wrong when you think wrong. of yeah. the very simple um, kind of biodependency of, of a farm. You know, chickens laying eggs, cows eating the grass, <laughs> you know, giving milk and the farmer growing with a veg patch. You sort of think, how have we come so far from that it's it's frightening um so yeah i sort of i, I kind of want food to be true to its origins and keep its integrity and think you know we're now at a stage where novelty has such a oh, I know, I know, I know. dangerously high currency yeah everyone's wanting you know, anything that's new and it's so, so much of the stuff that that I see that's new, I do not want to eat. And yeah. uh, um, I mean, that said, there's also amazing farmers going back to quite rudimentary farming methods that's better for the soil, better for the land. And and there's yeah, you know, there's some great stories out there too. But the the range now is yeah. is pretty crazy at each end of the spectrum. Well, you know, I say that your book is very matter-of-fact and practical and common sense, but that's not going to take away from the fact that it's enormously creative. And I'm looking at this, I'm drooling over this recipe for, of all things, grilled shiitake mushrooms with dandelion mm. and pancetta. I mean, who would have yeah. thought? It walks through yeah. that, I mean. I was going to say, I mean, you don't, you don't need the, the impossible meat when you've got shiitake mushrooms. <laughs> you know, they yeah, yeah, couldn't be any, any, any meatier. So when they're grilled um, like aggressively, as they are in, in that recipe, you get an amazing kind of toasted flavor on the outside. And also, with, with that one, just with the, um, with the pancetta, it's just wilted. So it's not kind of crispy bacon. It's it's uh it's just to soften the fat and then the bitter leaves yeah the bacon dressing it's nice absolutely lush the textures and and taste but again a pretty hopefully pretty pretty simple one to do yeah but you honor each vegetable for what it is not what it isn't i like that yeah yeah and i always think it's just the amount of flavor you can get from something rather than the amount of flavor you can put into something yeah, how much can you make a carrot taste like a carrot and then just pair it with a couple of other other things rather than make a ca- you know, carrot taste of you know, something com- completely different or un- uncomplimentary. I always think it's thinking why we like something and then showcasing it in a very organic uh, manner. So it's doing just enough to to highlight every ingredient and, and to hero it. I always say it's a chef's role to, to showcase the ingredients, not the ingredients' role to showcase the chef. Now, another favorite chapter from this book is the one called Leaves, which is essentially mm. salads, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like yeah, you. I love, I have probably have salad twice a day. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, so... Think of it might be the my dad's half French, half Italian. My mum has always eaten or instilled in us to eat 
very healthily. So, uh, yeah, when I was growing up, there was always a salad at least once a day. And it felt like it's something that I I just crave that acidity, that that crunch. I love a good salad. And I remember uh, um, a friend once saying it's a bit like, going and seeing a load of different fairy lights in the, in the forest. Like you have all these little pops and sparks, so whether it's a toasted nut or a herb or a grapefruit segment or whatever it may be, you know, when you have it, it should really pop in your in your mouth. So, um, yeah, I think people, you know, a salad or a, can sound a bit underwhelming, or, but the reality of it they can they can be really dynamic and also very easy and you can make them very dramatic with a big platter oh here's a dramatic one your salad of rocket courgette mint pistachio and feta i mean it's a work of art i'm looking at it yeah also that that only took me a couple of minutes uh to place up it's uh really and yeah when you look at the ingredients there's not not a great deal there but um dressed raw courgettes um, are utterly delicious people it's funny so a lot of people you know say they don't like courgettes but um you know and they're shaved and and dressed uh yeah i was gonna say it's just a, a little tangle um it's almost sort of pasta like when when you eat it so uh yeah i lo- love that one when you also you give um, a space in this book to shellfish and fish, and, mm. um, I, and I was interested in where you got your shellfish because when we're in England, we usually visit um, uh, Peter's family. Um, half of them are in uh, Yorkshire, and the other half in Cornwall. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, Cornwall is known for its shellfish. But yeah, you so list we, different places for oysters. I was interested in that. Yeah, so we have um, the the supplier we use. We use well. There's a few different suppliers because you need you need backup in case in case there's a shortage from one of them. But the first supplier that I use, I've been using for about 20 years now. So when I was a young chef at Le Manoir, I used to order from him when he uh-huh. was working for a different company. So yeah, I think loyalty goes a long way with uh, uh, with fish supplies because you, you want to get the best catch and you do oh, that sure. by yeah, by by having a, a good relationship with them. So uh, they buy strictly day boat fish. Uh, so it gets an amazing place, turbot, monkfish from there. Then closer to London, Probably by about an hour's drive. Again, on the south coast, you've got uh, Brixham in uh, in Devon to get amazing crabs, uh, lobsters from there too. Um, and then from Scotland, you get some great monkfish. There's uh, amazing halibut farm. There's uh, diver caught scallops from from Orkney. Uh, Morecambe Bay shrimps. So all you know, all around the the UK really is squid from from Cornwall. Um, but you know, there's a difference. Um, like in, in the the smoked fish, for example, 
that we get in, in England is so different from smoked fish in the U.S. Here it's really overdone, salty. You know, it's, oh, okay, it's, yeah. But, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean I guess one of the, a lot of the sensitivity would come maybe from smoking salmon. Because a lot of the smokehouses are by rivers. Um, just from tradition, that's where they were first uh, uh, kind of established, I guess, to be near the salmon, which is the primary thing that they smoked. And now they do, obviously, you can get this amazing smoked halibut, um, obviously kippers, uh, mackerel, herring, but also they've now, we use a lot of smoked butter, actually, which is an amazing ingredient too. What kind? Um, so just salted butter. Uh, so we, we put that... Yeah, you in you a, said you only use it occasionally, though, right? Yeah, so we use it at, um, so for the smoked butter. It's great in a caramel sauce. It just turns it from, transforms it from something maybe childish or one-dimensional into something we've grown up. Uh, with eggs or wild mushrooms, it just brings that depth of flavor and savory edge and then there's this instant homeliness the smoked butter because obviously you've got smoke and you've got fat content and both of those things have a sense of intrinsic comfort to them so uh interestingly enough we're 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 getting trout from the chalk streams of hampshire right now oh well and yeah, it's really, it's really a wonderful product. Yeah, no, I love um as well. Like if you have like that, those hot smoked oily fish are amazing. You know, especially if they're like still warm or just warmed a little bit, or smoked eel as well. Um, just the warming it up, just to soften the fat content, is uh, yeah, a simple thing, but so delicious. Well, where are people going to find you when they when they need a good meal, Ollie? So I'm at Hyde Restaurant, which is on Piccadilly in Mayfair, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm here most <laughs> most days in in one of the kitchens we have. So Hyde, uh, so that's the ground floor restaurant. We do breakfast, lunch, dinner with an à la carte menu, and then we have a bar at Hyde that's maybe a little bit more ambitious or you know, some Michelin inclinations and we do a five or seven course menu and set lunch. Uh, so there's a little bit, I think of it like a, like a Kaiseki tasting menu just based on products and uh, kind of finesse. So yeah, that, that's, that's where I am when I'm not writing cookbooks. <laughs> well, thank you so much for... Yeah, listeners, again, it's uh, essential is the name of the book, and the chef is Ollie Dabas, and uh, and it, it's you're going to use this. It's not uh, something that's very chefy. It's something that you're going to use at home, and um, and it's going to elevate your cooking because it is elevated, even though it's home cooking. Well, Ollie, I love the book. Love talking to you, and uh, uh, hopefully Thank next you so time. Much for, uh your time and, and and yeah clearly the time you spent reading the book I genuinely appreciate it oh hey I love this book win 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 great thank you again cool. pleasure all the best take care
Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Next up, we're going to the incomparable Robotos and, and Chef Brandon Hoy. Is it Roberta? Roberta. Well, wouldn't you know, Peter would get it wrong for sure. But not 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 only has Brandon had a wonderful track record of opening and running restaurants, he just came up with a, the ultimate cookbook, which we just absolutely adore, and you will too, so be sure to, to get a copy for your best friend this Christmas, or make sure they get one for you. Here's Ollie. No, <laughs> thank you, pardon me. I got Ollie twice. Uh, I will, will, will say, Brandon Hoy, we're very sorry we called you Ollie. And here you are. <laughs> yeah, well, you guys seem to be having a good time. Uh, listeners, I'm actually talking uh, to Brandon Hoy, who's one of the co-founders of um, the, the famous Roberta's um, in uh, uh, Brooklyn, um, and uh, he and Carlo Miraki opened in what what date was that? Two thousand five was it? I, I, so long ago, I forget the uh, eight two thousand eight or two thousand seven somewhere okay. around there. Just you know what? If I forget how old the restaurant is, that's okay. But I can't forget how old my kids are. Okay, well that's good. So don't ask me. Or anniversaries, you can't forget those either. <laughs> um, no, I mean it's it's funny because it's it's almost historical when I I look at it. Um, uh, I mean I remember. I mean I'm I'm much older than you are, and I can remember um, when my best friend, uh, who had been a, a mid Manhattan uh, um, person right. forever bought a house in Brooklyn. I looked at it and cried. <laughs> if only <laughs> I had bought one too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, yeah. So, but the last time we were in Brooklyn was, oh, it was the Star Chefs event that happens there. It was, oh, I've lost track of time with this COVID stuff. Um, it, it must have been about four years ago. And um, I, I, I frankly would never have recognized Brooklyn. I, mean, I just absolutely couldn't. But seeing you, I mean, you remind me of the history of what Brooklyn used to be. Yeah, I mean, even when we first got to to Bushwick, which which you know, it, it, in the the linear time is not that long ago. There still was, you know, wild packs of wild dogs everywhere. (laughs) You know, there was like pretty much you could count the car fires every morning you would come to work and there would be three or four car fires. And and so like, you know, the things that we loved, the the grit and the and the grind kind of that, that came with with the area has has definitely turned uh, more polished these oh, days. Yes. That's for sure. Oh, it, it was. It's really so different. In fact, my one observation was that most New Yorkers, um, especially Brooklynites, don't live there anymore. 
That's true. <laughs> That's true. So, but I don't okay. Know so where the Brooklynites live anymore. To be honest with you, I think I don't what know. Happens. Yeah. Where do they live? I mean, do you think? Still Bay Ridge. There's still Bay Ridge, and there's still you know. Okay. There, there's still places to go. Yeah. Well, anyhow, um, I I have to admit at the outset that I have never been in your restaurant, which is a loss for me, because you guys seem like you are having a wonderful time, and this cookbook um, has recipes that I just simply adore and would like to eat the, the dish right now. And and I, I wanted to point that. out something about this. Um, the way you write, um, first of all, you, you have a great sense of humor, but you also, I find that uh, people who write recipes in detail annoy the hell out of me. <laughs> because Not because of their being bossy, which they also are being, but because... They don't include the important things like you do. You, you, <laughs> you, you. I'm trying to remember what in particular I'm talking about. That it's so hard. But you, the kinds I, of things I you look out things, for. Right. Well, one of the things for us, even in trying to develop the rest of the the restaurants, is that that fun is such an important ingredient to everything we do. So we try uh-huh. to like keep the writing of the book light because the, 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 the fact of the matter is we want people to have fun and, and have fun cooking the recipes and have fun in life and just, you know, o- overall be embraced by, by fun. And I think like we try to do it in the restaurant and we tried to carry that theme through the book as well and keep it light and, and easily digestible for people. Um, and I think like when a recipe becomes too serious and kind of too instructional, it becomes like a little bit like you're working. Yeah, but I mean, you do include really important things that a lot of experienced recipe writers tend to leave out. You know, like um, uh, what was the the uh, Copa recipe I found was really intriguing. You, you had something in there, not the head Copa. What did you say here? It was something that usually a recipe writer wouldn't put in there, but it's something like me would look for. I- I, mean, I like, do love that you believe that I could remember something that I wrote like a year ago, <laughs> which makes me feel so great right now that you believe I possess the ability to re- even remember a note that I made yesterday would be oh. impressive for me. <laughs> well, your Copa recipe. <laughs> is, yeah. <laughs> it says here... Um, Trim the meat into a regular shape to help it cure evenly. Weigh the piece of pork collar. You, I mean, most people writing recipes don't explain things like that so that somebody who's, you know, practiced um, cooking can actually relate to it and get something that's important to know from the recipe instead of every well, we little detail. We, you know, we didn't, we didn't, like, go out and find... You, writers to write these recipes. The, the 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 recipes came directly from Carlo and the chefs, and they worked on the the verbiage a lot. They they really, you know, they, this wasn't just thrown together. They really like 
thought about what the tone and tenor was going to be of delivering these recipes. And I think for them, they, they kind of, they, they tried to present the recipes as if they were teaching somebody in the restaurant how to do something. And, and you want you want to be relatable, and you want the person to like listen to you. So you try to like deliver it in a way that's like easily understood, and 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 like you know you don't sound like a. Am, am I allowed to curse here? A dick? Can sure. I a dick? We're not. We're not like under dick, the. Right? Yeah, you can curse. You, you don't want to sound like a dick. <laughs> You can say bitch. That's all right. <laughs> you know, um, they, I was reading the your Copa restaurant. I keep saying about We we visited in Italy the king of the Culatella. <laughs> Who was that restaurant? Uh-huh. Who was that? Do you remember? I, I remember he called himself the king of Culatella. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I remember. And so when I see your photographs, which is the point I'm getting to. I mean, this hanging um, uh, saloon, saloon right here, this copa, uh, reminds me of the smell from that place where he was down to a limited inventory of several thousand, I think, of these cortellas, these things hanging from the ceiling of this aging room. Um, but your photographs are so lucid that it just recalls all these I mean, you don't even have to have words for some of them. Um, I mean, like the braised gigante beans. I remember we the bought them. Yes. Yeah, we we bought them in um, um, in, in Lake. I can't remember where it was in Italy, and uh, they were really tough. So we peeled them. All the advice in all these cookbooks is to peel these beans. And what happens when you peel the beans? They dissolve into liquid, and you have the gigante beans. Oh yes. <laughs> so I, I mean, so it brings back all these recipes. Bring back some. No, what are the? You you seem to to um, um, go from one part of Italy to the other because I found some um, Sicilian recipes, some um, other. Italian regional recipes, then here you have an Amatriciana. Is it directed at any particular part, or region of Italy? No, no. I th- I think I think also by nature we just we take the things that 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 we can relate to the most and the things that 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 like we feel like we do really well. But there's no specific region of Italy that we're like honing in on. To be honest with you, I, I think we hone in probably more on our kind of Americanness. To be honest with you, yeah. um, and. And I think one of the one of the things too, like the chefs also like they, they there's a lot of things by you know in the procedural methods of what we do that may be very like Japanese too. So I think oh yeah, you have that I think, too. I do. I think in in making good food, I think you just ha- you have to find your voice as a craftsman and. We're we're not a like we're we're not like we're born. I was from I'm from California and Carlos from New York, 
Um, and I think we take those things that, that you like learn as a, as a child and, and forming like a sense of, of craftsmanship and, and you kind of like try to bring those into the world, um, you know, through the vessel of the restaurant because that's, that's what we have to express ourselves. So I, I think when it comes to where we find these things, we find them wherever we can, you know, um, they're, they're, a lot of these dishes are are things that Carlo's been working on for a long time. You know, we have we have uh, Blanca as well, another restaurant that that also kind of innovates and and creates like some some creativity right. when it comes to where these things come from. But there's no specific place in in Italy where we're where we're specifically like trying to to pull from. Right, but. You you want this place as a whole to be um, sort of viewed as a party, you say. That's true. I, did I say that? Yes. If you said I said it, then <laughs> it's true. That is the truth. It sounds like me. It definitely sounds like something I would say. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I want your lardo because it sounds heavenly. Here's figs and beef lardo. And, I, mean, I want to go this, back to something. What did it smell like when you were in the Salumi Man Salumeria? What oh, was that is. smell? Because maybe what you think of that smell and what I think of that smell are slightly different. Well, I mean, it's it's funky to be sure, but it's it's um, I mean, it's it's very meaty and funky and. So it smells know, like a men's locker room. <laughs> Funky, meaty. I mean, there's a little bit of testosterone probably in the air. Probably. You could be confused with a place where somebody just lifted weights and left their socks on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't taste. That's a a particular wine-tasting terminology, dirty socks. (laughs) Did you know that? (laughs) Dirty socks. It is. It's a very unique smell. <laughs> well, I loved it. So, but um, no, I'm trying to remember why you said. I think basically you said you were in the restaurant hospitality industry because nothing else um, worked out. <laughs> Essentially, is that what you that, said? That is a, that is definitely a fair assessment of my life. <laughs> No, there was a, there was a section in the book where people seemed to be falling over quite a lot. Oh yeah, that was funny. That, can you can you that explain that? That is also a fair assessment of my life. <laughs> what? Well, no, this this reminds me again of something. I this drink that you, you made. I mean, I I once had a, a margarita party, and it lasted at most about an hour and a half. <laughs> Talk to us about that, that your, your you first drink, your cocktail. Either, mm-hmm. either you are making really good margaritas or really <laughs> bad margaritas. But one way or another, something was happening at that party. Yeah, but talk to us about how you had people falling over holding their glasses. Uh, I, I think I think one of the one of the greatest things about the early years of Roberta's was, you know, we were one we were really and 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 what it was that we did. And I think 
we were also just trying to play with different approaches to what people thought of as hospitality. And I think for us, we, we, we really, um, we, we understood what the people before us thought of as hospitality, but we were trying to redefine that, that, that for ourselves. Um, one, to kind of make it more palatable for us to do in the future, because I think, you know, uh, at a certain point we were, we were kind of just coming to grips with the fact that this was what our life was. We were <laughs> hospitality people. Um, but also I thought, I, I think we all kind of saw a different path in, in what hospitality could be. And I think at that time, you know, there wasn't a lot of this, like, like the, the expectation to kind of be in a white tablecloth and just like that, that was, that was working your way up was to just kind of like get to this very like fancy end. And, you know, we were still very much like a no uniform kind of no reservations um, type of place. And, and I think we were just trying to make a place that, that we could relate to. And, and part of it was fun. And, and, and what we were trying to do was to combine what we thought was very well-crafted, very, very good, um, uh, well, well, like done food um, at a very high level mixed with kind of, you know, a party vibe. And I think there was people that were doing each one of those things, but not together. Uh-huh. And for us, for us, we were really trying to like break down some of the, the, of, of what it meant to be an excellent restaurant. Um, and also, you know, embracing what we were, which was, somewhat of a dive bar uh-huh but, and, but you know we you, you, you hit it at the right time cheer. though when yeah. when the when um the whole area was coming up you didn't catch it on the decline <laughs> which was that's a, true that's yeah true. So that that helped that's a true. lot and i think i think also like our mental like the dive bar mentality was good for us because we were in a community where people needed that place. They wanted the place where everyone knew their name. They wanted to like walk into Roberta's and know they knew people. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the community that the community that was there was looking for something like that. And, and we gave it to them. And, and I think um, we also, you know, tried to elevate the, the, what, what that was about and what that kind of uh, dining experience was. Right, um, and, and I think that you finally reached the point, right? <laughs> if you remember, <laughs> that you you realized you could have all of that, all the fun and everything like that, but it really was a business. And, sure, and but that to, took us much longer to figure out. We didn't realize we had a business. That, you know, it took. Uh, probably six, seven years before we even realized we had a business. Well, at least you, know? you got I to. I regale my husband with stories about the Greek restaurant I owned in Philadelphia. The only only person who made any money was the bazooki player. (laughs) Right. Right. As you get older, you start to, you know, your needs become greater, right? 
Uh, you have kids. I have yeah. children. I have children. I have I have other responsibilities. I think you start to like look at the business like a little bit differently. But I I don't I think for a long time, you know, it was it was just a place, um, uh, and and it provided for us very well. I think so. In those early days, I don't I don't think we really. To be fair, I don't think we thought of it as a business. You know. <clears throat> I like your, your description of um, you have a gili with anchovy, and you said salted anchovy will soon come to replace your pets, your best friend, and your mom. <laughs> I love that. If, if if only that was the truth. Yeah, well, I can, I never understand why people hate anchovies, but it's okay. Um, I mean, I want to we, make we, sure we that do not. It is a very we we it is very heavily used in in all of the restaurants. So mm-hmm. we we are fond lovers, right? Um, you you are very famous for um, your pizzas, of course. I was gonna say I am not very famous. That almost I could walk <laughs> down any street in America and nobody would know who I was. So. Uh-huh. Do you have a picture in the here? Pizza, I'm just looking for it. And and you know, you desserts you can have anything as long as it's ice cream, right? I and, well, sorry, what was the ice cream? If you have desserts, you can have anything as long as it's ice cream. You've lost ice cream recipes, and you've lost the drinks yeah. recipes. Um, you've lost the pasta recipes of the the most valuable one is just your dough itself which is important and and then you have other things i mean i like figs and beef lardo i like that one even you have salads um and do you find that your your menu changes frequently or not very frequently oh yeah no we 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 have the unfortunate part of change it that menu changes so frequently that it's like very hard there there's there like you may never see any of these in the restaurant because the menu changes so frequently so we you know we have there's definitely staple items um there's staple pizzas but when it comes to a lot of the food that's in there we change quite a bit and then you know we have we have multiple locations now too so yeah, I didn't. I mean, I I I sort of tuned that out because I don't like to think of that. But I, um, I did I, notice. You don't like to think of L.A. as a place in the United States. Or? Oh no, no, no. I just. I mean, I I like to just have an identity for uh, Roberta's. You know, <laughs> in my head. Gotcha. That's I mean, fair. it's just one of my things, you know. But um. That is fair. But you know, all the, the restaurants. All the restaurants have very different menus, and I think, like, in in an attempt to kind of keep them unique, and and have their own personality, um, they they all have very different menu items. So, so what you may find at one, you may not find at the other, and right. and, and and then there may be variations of the same dish that are that are different. Um, from one location to the next as well. Well, I mean, from your description, your staffing is as colorful as your personal um, uh, person, uh, personalities of each of you. Um, you. You've had everybody working for you, haven't you? <laughs> this is true. 
I mean, they're part of the show, too. You know? this, did you make this up about the pizzas with their boxes? Did you sell pizzas oh, yeah, wrapped in up? Yeah. In a butcher paper. No, I did not make that up. We, we, originally, we originally delivered pizza to people in just butcher paper. Stapled, I can't believe it. Yeah, pretty much stapled butcher paper into a pizza envelope and delivered it to them. It was such a disaster. That's so funny. One of, one of our greatest worst ideas. It was that? that, that Hello? Was, that was yeah. at the top of the list. At the top of the list. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> now, what about your pantry items? I think that the um, people should buy the book just for the pantry items. I think they're wonderful. I was going to say this earlier in our conversation. My favorite part of the book is that we have, like, this whole pantry section. I love it. you, like little teeny things that you can, you know, I, I think these things go a long ways and, and just like how you stock your own kitchen. And I, and I, and the, I think the pantry section of this book really kind of offers your best bang for your buck. Right. No, I think so too. I mean, it, it, it has things like Botarga butter um, uh, the uh, caper bed breadcrumbs. I mean, these these are <laughs> life changing pantry staples, right? And and these are the things. These are the things that will like spice up your life when when you get to the point where you get to create on your own. So like, at, at, like these books are just guides to show you how to be creative, right? And right. And the, and the pantry section is is really like one of the best tools because it gives you these kind of smaller items that you can have at your at your um, disposal as you're cooking to kind of like spice spice something up a little bit. And I think, you know, like the breadcrumbs or, or chili oil or, or, or a fishy butter, right? Like these, these are things that like could be the difference maker and, and how you like look at a dish. So for me, I, I think that pantry level is really kind of. Oh, you know, I love it. That, that, that is, that is the, that is your value. I, I don't know. What does this book cost? $9? I don't know. $10? I don't know. I don't know where it, it is. It cost a hundred because of that section. Oh, I think that's a wonderful section. Yes, I love that. Um, and, and it's something I can tackle too. <laughs> so I hope um, everyone can tackle that section. I mean, I that is maybe the most basic stuff that's in the book. Um, so hopefully, well, that's my it's a, favorite it's a section, section that, that's easy to kind of navigate for everybody. Yeah. And um, now, it, I like your um, the naming of your drinks. For example, give us give us some names of your drinks. I hope you're I hope you're referring to the rug. Yes, <laughs> the rug the is rug. one of them. <laughs> the rug is a is, is a um, is a spin here on the dude from the big Lebowski. Uh, so that was a cocktail inspired by the dude. And we figured the only, the thing that brought the room together was the rug. 
So that was going to be the title of the drink because we felt like it really brought the room together. <laughs> Your banana hammock is pretty funny, too. The banana hammock? Yeah, so yeah and then jet ski rental. Carry a banana in. The, yeah, yeah. The, yes, the jet ski rental. So, uh, 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 so a very important part of vacation, right? Yeah. Now tell me this. If you, if you, uh, you know, the jet ski rental is an inside story there, too, because if you're looking for weed in a tropical island, you always go to the jet ski rental guy. <laughs> That's where you find it, huh? Always, 100% Always. of the time. It's either that or the weird guy who scubas up from the middle of the of the water while you're just relaxing, and he says, you know, would you like to buy some drugs from me? <laughs> now, you know, um, I'm going to ask you something a little off the beaten path here, is you have all this experience. You have all this uh, uh, fame, notoriety, whatever you want to call it, um, you, you've mastered your, um, your business and you yourself, you personally have organized your life pretty well from what I read. Uh, this is all stuff that, that you've presented uh, for a certain tone, a certain fun tone and tenor for this cookbook. Where are you really in your life? You, you mean how relate like how much do I actually relate to what's in that book? Well, yes and no. I mean, it, it seems to me that a part of this would be true, and then there's another part that you don't talk about. Oh, there is more truth than what is in that book. That is for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'm asking you for just a quick sketch of where you are. Truth. There is no non-truth in the book. Everything that's no. in the book is real and 100% yeah. has happened. There is also more truth to the book as well. I think there's, there are some things, you know, that there's possibly my children don't need to read about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it was a – it was – hey, I've been in the restaurant business for a very, very long time, and there, it's made some great strides. Um, as far as what it was like in the early days. And I think all of us kind of like coming up through the restaurant business in the 90s, um, you know, early 2000s, like it, it, it was, it, it was a, you worked hard and you played even harder. And I, and I think um, there, there was probably some stuff in that book that, that was withheld for great purpose. Right. Well, I believe that. But the other part of this, what I'm getting at, is, I mean, you are, t to all aspects of anybody looking in through the window of this, you were a huge business success. And how has that changed the character of what you're trying to do with this fun restaurant? Sure. I mean, I think, I think well, we've tried not to let, I mean, it's also kind of news to me that I'm a huge success. I do believe that the restaurant has been very successful, and and people do um, tend to know it all over. But I think trying not to let that dictate, like, 
what the business is. I, I think still every time we, we try to open something, we try to open it with the same, with the same, Hey, these are all our, our children, all of the, all of the restaurants that we've opened, all of the concepts that we put out into the, to the world. They're all our children. They're all going to be different. Um, but they all, but they all have been kind of like raised with the same philosophy. Um, Will they all be as fun? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Do you have kids? One of my yes. kids is really fun. The other one may not be as fun, as much fun. Uh, you know, it's just how it goes. Um, some some are smart. Some aren't as smart. Some are athletic. Some aren't as athletic. So you know, you 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 birth them. You bring them into the world. You treat them with love. You you try to raise them under the same philosophy and guidelines that that they they get the equal amount of attention and all that stuff but they be but they're different things and and every single one of our restaurants has a has a its own unique uh personality and character and i think as they get older as the restaurants get older and more established in their voice you have to let them be who they want to be and i think for us you know that's it's 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 important to really understand what each one of these restaurants that we open want to be, and if one of them turns out to not be very much fun, well, we might have to just disown it and and see if we can give it up for late adoption. <laughs> You're getting to where I wanted you to go. So anyhow, um, <laughs> the book listeners is still cooking. Roberta's, and it's another one of those beauty books from Rizzoli, and um, and and Brandon Hoy is a co-founder, and um, um, he, he's he's fun, <laughs> he's really fun. Oh, so is thank the book. you, I appreciate that. This has been a blast. <laughs> okay, Brandon, um, I'll, I'll talk to you again soon, maybe. You live in Manhattan, All right. right? Thank you. You live so in much. Manhattan or Brooklyn? I, I, live, I live in Bro- I live in Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. I live in Brooklyn. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll see you if we get to travel again soon. All right. I Thank hope you. So. Hopefully at the restaurant. Thank you guys very yeah, much, and you it. guys have a great day. All you right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, listeners, that's a wrap. Same time, same place next week. And in the meantime, guess what? Bye-bye.